Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and my regular co-host, Caleb Jenks, is probably not going to be with us tonight. He is uh, traveling with his family. So because of that, if he can get to his destination and get set up and join us for the last little bit, he might try to do that. But otherwise, you're just going to be stuck with me uh, all day today. So... I understand if you want to switch over to some other programming. <clears throat> Let me start by saying I have been battling a head cold for like three days. I'm on the tail end of it, but I sound sick. So please forgive me. This isn't the normal, lovable, charming voice that you come to expect on these podcasts. It's a little deeper and raspier. And you're also going to hear the sound of me blowing my nose throughout this podcast because we still cannot afford producers <clears throat> to help uh, edit with the uh, programming. So I'm going to try to do all of this on my own today. So we're going to see how this goes. So with that being said, last week we were talking about money. And I think I, I, I titled this evening's podcast, Money, How to Get Out of Debt and Make a Pile of It. Uh, some might find that funny. Uh, I'm literally going to try to tell you how to do that. So we're going to be all over the map tonight. I know everything I say tonight is not going to, going to apply to everybody. So <clears throat> bear with us. And if you can think of anyone that might benefit from this talk on debt and finances and money and investing, please pass it on to them. Okay. Let's see. If you are joining us on Spotify or Google Play or iHeartRadio or any of the other, you know, number of podcasting hosting sites, uh, we would ask that you would join us live for the video every Friday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and that's 8 p.m. Central. And you can find us on Facebook. Uh, the name of the page is Bible Thumper. And I think you can find it at Bible Thumper 1611 if you're searching for it on Facebook. So please find us there, like the page, and join us for a live video. You can write comments, you can ask questions as we go, and I would certainly encourage everyone to do that today because it's only going to be me, and I'll see how well I can manage comments and questions coming in. But send in all of your financial questions today, and I promise to give you um, marginal advice on any question you ask. With that being said, please understand that comments and questions are not given to us in real time. Sometimes they're a few minutes behind. So if you're trying to say something funny or make a joke, we appreciate the sentiment, but oftentimes it will not land uh, just because of the latency of the comment coming in. All right. So last week we talked to, a lot to Caleb. I asked him a bunch of questions and I kind of gave a little mini interview, finding out some information about how Caleb has made his money through the years and the jobs he's had and the way that he's worked and, and what he has done, which is certainly unorthodox for most of us. And, and a lot of people wouldn't feel comfortable with that. And, and I get that. But I wanted to get it on record just so we could all get an idea of the many different ways there are to make money. We don't all have to just punch a clock and go to the same job our whole life, you know, and after 20, 25, 30 years, you get the cold watch and you retire. And if you do that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I just want people to see that there are ways of thinking outside of the box where you can be successful. 
Now, <clears throat> tonight, I'm going to try to help people who are in financial trouble. Now, between you and me, I believe that makes up the majority of Americans. I believe it certainly makes up a lot of folks who would call themselves Christians. There are far too many of us in this country, there's far too many of us in the churches who are in a financial mess. Now, as we begin, I understand that there are going to be people all over the financial spectrum. There are going to be people of all ages listening in. And obviously, if you are 70 years old and you're already retired, this next hour might not help all that much. But I would certainly ask that you would listen and please pass this information on to somebody that it might help. So I've gone over financial classes and churches in the past, and typically I would go over six to eight one-hour sessions and try to cover everything because there's so much to cover and so many questions that come up. And in the next, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 minutes, however long we go here, I'm only going to be able to scratch the surface on a lot of things. But I'm going to do my best to try to give you some useful information so that you can get out of debt, especially the debt that you probably just put yourself in in the last month or two uh, getting ready for Christmas. <clears throat> Tonight is Sunday, December 27th, a couple days uh, prior to New Year, and the credit card bill is coming. The credit card bill uh, that we used to rack up a whole bunch of debt to try to prove to our kids that we loved them, uh, that's going to be showing up. And uh, it's a good time to sit down and get our, our house in order, get our finances straightened out, and get some kind of plan implemented so that we can be successful, we can get out of debt, and we can be financially free. And I'll tell you what, if you haven't figured out why you want to be financially free yet, uh, you're, you're probably not going to get there and you're probably missing the, the whole point of this thing. We as believers are supposed to be financially free so that we can hear and follow the directing of the Holy Spirit whenever he speaks to us. And when we are in debt, when we are unable to do what God wants because of finances and the financial situation that we're in, uh, God can only use us to such a degree. And keep in mind, that's no different than any other problems we have in our life. Uh, God might need us to clean up different areas before he can use us the way that he wants to. So we're just trying to free up one area, and that is our finances, so that we can hear from God and act accordingly whenever he speaks to us. So let's start off with the basics. In the beginning, there was a budget. If you are not on a budget, you have financial problems. And that's not a question, I'm telling you that. There might be some folks that just make so much money and just don't have much in the way of spending habits that don't have much of a problem. But <clears throat> most successful people, financially speaking, are on a budget. And if you're not on one, I can tell you that you can stop worrying about your finances in a couple hours. 
if you have financial trouble that keeps you up at night, you have trouble sleeping, you don't want to talk about it with your spouse. When you do talk, it's a fight. You can get out of that. You can change those things. And one of the things you want to do is you want to get on a budget. This will help. <clears throat> so let's go over line items on a budget. So I'm going to try to go through this quickly and we're going to see how well this goes. So here is here are some line items that we want to make sure are on our budget. Now, bear with me. <laughs> this is usually not how I'd write out a budget, okay? You can you can look this up online. There are apps that'll help you with this. I mean, honestly, you don't need Microsoft Excel. You can use an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and a pen and do just fine. But what you want to do is you want to make one list all the way down the left-hand side, and that's everything that you spend money on. And that's going to be broken down into roughly three different subjects and or categories. And I'm going to go over those now. But that's all you got to do. You just got to make a list. What do I spend money on? List them all the way down uh, in column one. <clears throat> okay, so on this list, and let's run over this real quick. We're going to go over the line items that I put up on the screen. You got your car payment. You got your credit card, number one, number two, and number three. Now, if you have three credit cards, you're probably in a financial mess to begin with. I don't know why anyone would need more than one credit card. And I know plenty of successful people that don't have any credit cards, but neither here nor there. You got your mortgage. You got your second mortgage. If you got a second mortgage, you're probably in a financial mess. Uh, second mortgages are never a good idea. Uh, maybe you have rent. <clears throat> we all have groceries. We have eating out. You have gas in the car. You have streaming services. You watch Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or whatever it is. You got your auto insurance, your life insurance, your memberships. Hopefully that would include the NRA. Uh, maybe it would include a membership to a gym, whatever it is. You're, you're paying every month to all of these things. You got your phone bill, your internet, your gas, your electric, your trash, your water bill, all the utilities. You got your haircuts and your nails. Uh, obviously I don't get my hair cut or get my nails done, but some of you might, and that's fine. We appreciate it, but it should be on the budget. If you spend money on it, it should be on the budget and you need to set money aside for it because you're going to spend money on it. So you need to know how much, so you can take a look at it. You can give, you can do an honest inventory of what we're spending our money on. You got your student loan, you got your personal loan, you got your savings for for large purchases. Now everyone's like, what? Savings? Huh? What? Uh, yeah, you should be saving money. There should be some amount of money that you're setting aside every month and saving for a large purchase that you are not aware of yet. Okay. And I'm going to show you how that line item right there, the savings for large purchases, that should actually be moved to another section as soon as you identify what it is. So all of a sudden you find out, oh, the tires on the car, they're all bald and I need four new tires. Okay, well, if you drive a one ton diesel like I do for work, those tires are expensive. So you're going to spend like $1,200 on a, on a set of four tires. And that's a big expense. Now that you know what that is, what you're actually going to do is you're going to move that over to that green column that you can see on the screen, column D as in Delta. And those <clears throat> are for things that you know are coming up every year. Okay. And actually, 
that's probably not correct because you're not going to need tires every year. So you'd move it over to letter F, the column in yellow. And those are for items that are going to come up. You're going to pay for them someday. So we need to start saving for them now. Then what else do you have? You have investing. Okay. We need to be investing and you have your tithe. Okay. Now that should be right on the top. That's the first thing that we should pay for all the time. I'm a big fan of tithing. I know a lot of you might not be, and I'm sorry to hear that because nothing that I tell you, no amount of good advice that I give you is going to be able to overcome the curse, the supernatural curse that you put yourself under uh, by robbing God. But if you think you can do it, uh, you know, give it a shot. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm totally wrong. Okay. So we have to put a number next to all of these, right? If we're going to make a budget, we're going to have column one list everything that we spend money on every month. Column two is the amount. Okay. What do we spend? What's credit card number one? What's the minimum payment on that? And then number two and number three or whatever. Okay. What's the car payment? What's the phone bill? What's the internet cost? Okay. What, what do we have to pay for our gym membership? We need to get all these numbers down in front of us because we're going to have to figure out what's worth it and what's not. Where can we trim the fat? Where do we need to put our money? Okay, so next, then you keep going down and you're going to have a section. And this section is not going to be stuff that comes up every month. This is going to be stuff that comes up once a year. Now, the funniest thing to me is that Christmas throws so many families into a financial tizzy. They get all crazy and bent out of shape over Christmas. And I hate to tell you, it's the same time every year. So why on earth are we not saving for Christmas? If you know it's December 25th, just like last year, and you know you want to spend $1,000 on it, fine. That all that means is you need to set aside a certain amount of money. You need to set aside about 85, 90 bucks. And guess what? At the end of 12 months, you're going to have the $1,000 you want to spend. So what you do with these, with Christmas, Thanksgiving, vacation, birthday gifts, automobile registration, property taxes, property insurance, your anniversary, these are all things that are going to come up. They're going to come up once a year. They're always going to come up. So you got to save for them. So how much you want to spend on Christmas? Okay, 1200 bucks. Great. You need to save $100 every month. So that way, when Christmas gets here, guess what? It's not a surprise. You're not in a panic as to, oh no, what do I do? I don't have any money. I want to spend all this money on my family. Well, you can. You just have to save ahead of time for it. That's what responsible adults do with their money. That's why we can sleep at night and not have to worry about money all that much. So you want to do the same thing. Figure out how much am I going to spend on, on Thanksgiving, on my vacation, on birthday gifts, on all these different things figure out the number, divide it by 12. That's the amount of money you have to save up for every month. And you just take it, take a white envelope, write Christmas across it with a black Sharpie. And then you throw a hundred dollars in there every month. Okay. Throw that in the safe. And guess what? At the end of the year, you want to know what happens. Christmas comes about and, oh, look at that. I'm not stressed over it because now I have the money that I wanted because I saved ahead of time, like any intelligent human being could do. So you don't have to freak out when Christmas comes. You don't have to freak out when it's time for your anniversary. You don't have to uh, work all this overtime and work a bunch of double shifts and, you know, beg, borrow and steal money in order to make it through this financial catastrophe that we call Christmas. Okay. 
All right, <clears throat> now let's go over to column F here for our budget. And keep in mind, I already said this, okay? Uh, th this is just me trying to fit everything onto the screen. When you make a budget, it's just column one, okay, list everything. Column two next to it, you're writing down how much, you know, you're going to either spend or set aside every month on these items. Okay, your hot water heater. Now, I'm assuming you're a homeowner. Your furnace or boiler, however you get the heat. Okay, your air conditioning, your appliances, your refrigerator, your dishwasher, your oven. Do you know that these things are not going to last forever? They're not. A hot water heater replaced, 40-gallon natural gas hot water heater, which is what most people in the world have in their house. Okay, that's going to be $1,250 labor and material to install it. How do I know that? I'm a plumber. That's what I do for a living. So you need to set that money aside so it's there, so it's, it's no longer an emergency. It's not a catastrophe. Your hot water heater is supposed to last you about 10 to 12 years. So that means that all you got to do, if you just put one in, okay, the day that your house was built, really all you got to do is set aside about 10 bucks a month. And by the time that 10, 12 year mark comes, you're going to have more than enough money to replace that hot water heater. You can do the same thing. You can be saving up for your heat, for your air conditioning, for, the, for your refrigerator, your washer, your dryer, your dishwasher. All of these things are going to die. They don't last forever. And that should not be a surprise. But guess what? It's really going to be a financial kick in the pants if you have no money set aside for when that happens. So what you want to do is you want to get that money uh, set aside and you want to get that done now. And all you got to do is put away a little bit of money. Like I said, get a white envelope, write the name on it with a Sharpie, start stuffing cash in there every month. And all of a sudden, guess what? Lo and behold, you turn around and it's not a big deal. And I can tell you, this advice was given to me by different pastors that I've listened to, different financial books that I've read, all been very helpful. And I'll tell you what, we had a little bit of a catastrophe ourselves, where all of a sudden our, our vehicle died. I mean, transmission went out, boom, dead, need a new one, need it right away. And, uh, you know, we had a, a $12,000 automobile we needed to buy. And I'll tell you what, I didn't have $12,000 when I went to the envelope and opened up, you know, the new car uh, savings that we were doing. I didn't, but I did have $9,000. And it felt pretty good to be able to put down nine grand and only have $3,000 in payments that I was able to pay off in less than a year, rather than not saving anything and all of a sudden being in this terrible situation, okay? So this is why we have a budget and this is why we put all these line items on here because we know they're coming up and when they show up, we want to have money to be able to spend on these things. So it, it, it's up to you if you're either going to you're either going to do this and your life's going to become easier because you're going to be planning or you're not going to do it and you're always going to be kind of, you know, flying by the seat of your pants and it's going to be. Oh, just a, you're going to be a nervous wreck, a big ball of energy that makes coffee nervous because you're never going to be satisfied with, uh, with what you have. You're going to spend too much. You're never going to be saving. And then all of a sudden, you know, when these expenses come up, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be in a mess. Okay. So now something I should tell you is, uh, when you work out your budget, you are either going to be hourly or you're going to be salary. So if you have a steady paycheck, that's always the same. Every two weeks, you get the paycheck, you know exactly what you're getting, then it's pretty easy to make a budget. Most of us are hourly. 
And I'm self-employed, which makes it, you know, better in some ways because there's the opportunity to make more money, but also very difficult in other ways because it's very up and down. And there are some months where you do very poorly and other months where you do really well and it is harder to budget. So you want to budget by percentages and you want to figure out, okay, what percentage of the amount of money I make this week is going to go to, you know, lines A, B, C, and D on the budget. And that's how you work your budget out. <clears throat> and the, uh, the weeks or the months where you do worse, well, guess what? You have less money to spend on groceries and the months where you do well, okay, now, you know, you have more money, but that also means you're, you're putting more money away uh, in, in uh, savings. Okay. So now let's look at another one here. So this one on that first, uh, uh, that first section, the, the monthly payments, uh, these ones that are highlighted, these ones are debts, car payment, car payment, number two, credit cards, one, two, and three mortgage, second mortgage, student loan, personal loan. All these things are debts and we want to get out of debt as soon as humanly possible because debt is what kills us. Debt is going to be what keeps us from being financially free. So debt is a curse. Now, I, there are some people that say debt is a sin and the Bible forbids it. I do not find that anywhere. Debt is always spoken of as a terrible thing. It, 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 the Bible literally calls it slavery. So it's something that we want to avoid. It is obviously bad. God clearly says it is not something that we want to enter into. It's not a good thing. With that being said, <clears throat> uh, lots of people are going to end up in debt. Lots of people put themselves in debt. And keep in mind, back during the Bible times when catastrophes happened, sometimes there was a mechanism where people would have to enter into indentured servitude to pay off their debts. So debt is a bad thing. We don't want to get into it. With that being said, I know, you know, I don't know, 99 out of 100 people I'm talking to right now are probably in debt to some degree. So that's why we're dealing with it now. Okay, now, so we want to get out of debt. Now, there are two ways we can become more financially free. Number one, we can make a whole lot more money. Number two, we can lower our expenses. Now, if there was a way to make a whole lot of money, we'd have already done it. If there was a button we could push or a switch we could flip in order to make a whole lot more money, uh, we would have absolutely done it already. Uh, every single one of us. Usually that's not the case. So what we can do is we can succeed by eliminating our debt. And, and that's what we're going to go over right now. Okay. So eliminating our debt. So this is how we eliminate our debt. Now, real quick, why do we want to eliminate our debt? Well, because when you, when you take all the different areas that you're in debt to, you take the car payment, you know, of whatever, $500 and you take the credit cards, one, two, and three, which are a thousand dollars. And you take the, you know, the mortgage, which is, you know, another thousand dollars or $1,500. And the second, when you add all those things up, what you're going to find out is that you are paying 
you know, thousands and thousands of dollars every month for a bunch of stuff that could already be broken down and lost. I mean, you know, whatever your unsecured debt is, uh, the, the only thing that you could maybe consider an asset, and, and this is arguable, would be your mortgage, the house or the property that you own. Other than that, really everything is going to be a liability we, and we're we're making payments on all this stuff and the the monthly payments we're putting towards our debt could be used to uh educate ourselves uh get better job training for a better job it could be used for investing it could it could be used for a million different things but it's all tied up so much of our money is tied up so what we want to do is we want to get out of debt so that we can have the money uh, to use to secure our financial freedom. Okay, so let's see. <clears throat> step number one, how do we get out of debt? Okay, step number one is stop taking on new debt. Now, that might sound pretty simple, pretty elementary. But you'd be amazed how many people, when they get on a financial plan, continue to buy things with their credit cards. So the idea here is a credit card is oftentimes used to buy stuff you don't need to impress people who you don't like with money that you don't have. So we want to stop doing that. We want to stop buying things we can't afford and accumulating more debt. So we, we're going to pay off these credit cards and we're going to cut them up and you can cut them up right now. So you can't use them. <laughs> that, I mean, that would be best. Uh, but keep in mind, they don't go away until you, the, the balance gets to zero. And then uh, you call up and cancel them, which is what we're hoping to do. But we're going to stop getting ourselves into new debt. So <clears throat> when you find yourself in a hole and you want to get out of the hole, the first thing you got to do is stop digging. Okay. Don't make the hole any deeper. Okay. So we're not going to accumulate more debt. Okay, great. So then the question is how much money do you have left over at the end of your budget? So you make yourself a budget, you get out a pen and paper, you make column one, everything that you have to spend money on throughout the year, every monthly payment, every yearly payment, everything you're going to save up for, for the future, right? that you know is coming. Okay, how much money do you have at the end of all that? Okay, so let's say we have $100. Okay, great, we have $100. Now, the next thing we wanna do is we wanna thin out our budget. So what I'm talking about is going to that grocery bill, going to that eating out line item, and we wanna switch that up and we wanna think rice and beans. Okay, that's our grocery line item for a couple of months until we can get this monster under control. Rice and beans. Okay, we are going to eliminate Netflix and Hulu and whatever else we pay for. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to get yourself a library card and you're going to go borrow a book for free and you're going to read it. And that's going to be your new entertainment. You're going to do whatever it takes to go through all of those line items on your budget and see what we can do about totally crossing some off. Okay. Do not cross off <laughs> your mortgage payment. Do not cross off your life insurance payment. 
Okay, but there are things on there, frivolous things that we don't need to do and we need to save some money so we can get out of debt. Now, if you're not willing to make changes, don't worry. Okay, don't worry. The bank will make those changes for you. If you're not willing to make some changes, the repo man will come by and just drag your car onto, <laughs> onto a trailer and drive away with it. Uh, so you don't, you don't have to make these changes. They will be made for you. But I'm telling you, it's much better if you get to decide on what changes to make and when, okay? Uh, the bank will come by sooner or later with the sheriff's department and kick you off of your property and out of your house. Uh, you can keep the keys. They don't, they don't care. Uh, and, and they will repossess your home, okay? So if you're not willing to make changes, that's fine. Uh, the banks will. They'll make the changes for you sooner or later. Okay, so we're going to thin out our budget, whatever we can get rid of, whatever we can do to save a little bit of extra money. Okay, so now at the end, uh, we find out that we have an extra $100 per month in savings. So what we're going to do is we're going to add that 100 to the first 100 that we had. Now we have 200 extra dollars at the end of the month after we pay all our bills. Okay, so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to apply all of our extra money towards our smallest debt whatever one has the smallest uh, total that we owe. Now, along with that, every month, when you find a nickel in the street, okay, when you get to pick up an extra shift at work or work a few hours of overtime, or grandma sends you $20 for your birthday, you are gonna take that money along with all the extra money that you have and you are going to pay down your lowest debt. It's usually going to be a credit card, and it's usually going to be a credit card that we use to buy garbage that we didn't need, and now it's a dead horse payment, and we are going to work as hard as we can to get rid of that, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to go through all those debts, and we're going to knock off credit card number three, and then once we do that, well, guess what? Credit card number three had a minimum payment of, I don't know what it was. Let's say it's a hundred bucks. Okay, now we add that hundred dollars to the rest of the money that we had every month. So you see the next debt we pay off, we have more money to throw it at. So now we're taking all the money we had left over from our budget. Then we thinned out our budget, got rid of useless items we don't need. And we took that money and then we paid off credit card number three. Now we take the money that we used to pay every month toward that and we take all of it together and we throw it at credit card number two. Okay, this is great. Okay, then we go through, through and we do credit card number one. Then we do our car payment. Then we go through and we attack our, our personal loan. Then we go through and we do our student loan. Then we go through and we keep doing this and doing this and doing this until we only have our mortgage payment left. Then all of a sudden, you have hundreds and hundreds of hundreds. You might have a thousand or two thousand dollars of extra money at the end of your budget every single month that you can now use to get yourself out of debt and financially free. And let me tell you, everyone that has decided, they made a decision. I am not going to live like this anymore. I am not going to be in chains. I am going to succeed. I can be financially free. I can set up my own financial future. Every single person that has made that decision has had to go through this process that I'm talking to you about 
right now. And they had to pay off their debts and they had to free up some cash so that they could actually do something with their life. Okay. So <clears throat> that is the beginning of how we are going to become financially free. All right. So now let's see what we're going to do. So we continue this process until da, 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 pretty much all of our debts are gone. All right. So now, now it comes down to what do I do with all this money? And how do I make money? And how do I make more money? And what do I do with this extra money that I make? Okay. So I'm going to go over very briefly here how I make money. And I'm hoping some of this might help some of you. So quickly reflecting, I saw that I make money four basic ways. So I have a business. So I own all around plumbing, heating, and cooling. That's a small business. It's really only me. And uh, that's what I rely on for um, uh, my day-to-day -day expenses. Okay. That's kind of what we make a living on. That's our bread and butter. Then on top of that, uh, my wife and I, we also have rentals. Okay. So we have uh, houses we rent, we have, you know, um, apartment units that we rent and we have income that's generated through uh, rentals. And I'm a big fan of rentals, but we'll talk more about them here in a minute. Uh, then we are uh, beekeepers. So this isn't a way we make tons of extra money. Okay. But it is a way that we make extra money. So, uh, I, uh, believe it or not, I learned a lot of my, um, uh, a lot of the knowledge that I have about beekeeping came from, uh, Caleb. Caleb was actually a, a very successful beekeeper in Western Colorado for a great number of years. Him and his family were very into it. You know, they moved a lot of honey and had a lot of bees and it was a, you know, a really good hobby and a really good side business uh, for, for him and his family. So I bought a lot of Caleb's uh, beekeeping equipment and learned about beekeeping from him. And I have a couple other friends that, you know, uh, one is a third generation, uh, you know, commercial beekeeper or professional beekeeper, I should, I should say, um, where, you know, their family, that's how they made a living was doing honey. We are not of that scale. We're a small scale kind of hobby little thing where we, you know, have so many hives. But I'll tell you what, those bees make a lot of honey and we sell a lot of honey and it helps. Okay. Now, why did I pick this instead of anything? Well, you know, I'm, I'm getting off track. Okay. So number one, my business, number two, rentals, number three is honey. Okay. So you can call us farmers if you want. We're definitely beekeepers, uh, but it's in the agricultural field. Okay. So that's kind of my side hustle there. And then uh, number four is investments. And obviously, like a lot of people, most successful people invest their money and they allow time and the markets to do the heavy lifting. So I don't have to, you know, I don't have to be digging ditches to make that money. I just have to wait <clears throat> and watch certain things go up and I get to make money. So business rentals, honey and investments. All right. So now let's break these down and let's talk about these one at a time. So what I'm going to start with is I'm going to go backwards. Okay. So I'm going to start with investing. 
when you're going to get into investing, there are some things that you should know. If you are going to open up a TD Ameritrade account or you know whatever like account that you want to use to buy and sell stocks, something that you should do is you should figure out the stocks that you want to buy and give yourself, I don't care, you know, give yourself a, a make-believe thousand dollars. And you're going to pick 10 or 20 stocks and you're going to put either 100 bucks or 50 bucks into each one of these. And now keep in mind, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm telling you that it's pretend money. So you're going to write down the stocks and how much they're worth and how much you buy and how many shares and yada, 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 and jot all that down. Okay. And I want you to play that for, oh, I don't know, three months. Okay. And you can also uh, take the New York Stock Exchange, if you can if you still get the newspaper and hang it on a wall and I want you to take darts and just throw darts at the wall and pick 10 stocks that way and say that you're going to put a hundred dollars into each of them and watch them both for 90 days. The stocks you pick, the stocks that the darts picked. Um, there's no telling who's going to win. The point is it's not very easy to pick the winners. If it was, everybody would already be doing it. Now, what's your point, Patrick? You're telling me that, you know, there's no way that I'm going to be able to invest and make money. Nope. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I know that I am not smart enough to pick the winning stocks. I am not smart enough to pick the winning bonds. I am not smart enough to short the right companies. I am not smart enough to speculate on futures. I am not smart enough to pick the best uh, mutual funds. I'm not smart enough to pick the best cryptocurrencies. I'm not smart enough to do any of those things, but I'm very successful with investing. Um, I'm just smart enough to know that I need to hire guys way smarter than me in order to make those decisions. <clears throat> now, this is not hard to do. Usually what happens is someone that manages a very successful hedge fund, someone who has made their clients a whole lot of money over the years, what they will do is they will retire. And the way they will retire is they will set up a publication and that publication will tell you what to invest in. So what you're doing is you're playing a man. You're betting on the information that this person is, knows who has a very successful track record, who has made lots and lots of money for lots and lots of people over many, many years. And what you're going to do is you're going to subscribe to their financial newsletter. Now, I, I didn't look it up, but the last time I checked, I have subscribed to seven of these financial newsletters. It cost a lot of money. Most of these are not cheap. A lot of these financial publications, they're going to be... $500, $1,000 a year. I've paid upwards of $5,000 a year for some of these subscriptions. Now, 
many times a lot of these different publications will go on sale you know at the new year at this time or that time and they'll have special offers and and that's what i would always you know kind of jump on in order to do but understand that every one of these financial subscriptions that you know to these newsletters that i have paid for have made me a lot of money their advice was good i did i just put my money where they said to put my money and i did well to the point where i renewed my subscription the next year because it was worth it all i'm saying is that there are lots of people that do very well in the markets they know where to put your money and all you have to do is get their advice and they sell it because it has value and obviously if they didn't do well no one would subscribe to their newsletters or their whatever so that's why uh, they're able to stay in business because they uh, give good advice and a lot of them will promise returns they'll say if you don't see returns up to this amount but you know by this time that the newsletter is free all I'm saying is you don't have to be scared of markets. Um, you, you, you can be successful in them. I would not recommend anyone start out on their own thinking that they are going to be the next market guru. I do not believe I possess what it takes to do that. I, <clears throat> I am smart enough to know my own limitations, and I believe I've saved myself a lot of trouble by just finding competent men and following their advice. And anyone that wants to get into the markets, again, I would suggest you do it that way and then go ahead and make up a fictitious account and invest whatever amount of imaginary money you want your own way and after a year, see who wins. If you won, great, keep doing it. If not, well, then forget your ideas and just do it the way this other guy said. Anyway, I'm a fan of that. It's worked for me. I would suggest everyone do the same. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, trying to keep up with inflation, getting one, two, three, four percent, you know, a year. Um, you can follow the right guys. They're very smart. Uh, you can make 20, 30, 40, 50 percent on your money in a year. Uh, I've I am currently uh, doing the best I've ever done. Um, I am uh, over 200% on my money over the last two years by following the advice of guys smarter than me. So I don't give financial advice other than to say, find the guys who do and pay them, they are worth it. Okay, so <clears throat> now let's talk about your side hustle or your second job so a lot of us most men have worked a second job at one time or another to make the amount of money that you need uh, in order to be able to get by now i'm going to tell you that the safest bet for a second job is something like delivering pizza there's nothing wrong with that you're not going to make a ton of money Okay, but it's going to be steady. It's always going to be there. And if you have some, you know, cheap four-cylinder vehicle that's great on gas and you can drive around any evening and deliver pizzas, you're going to be able to make some extra money. 
And you can get a second job waiting tables. You can get a second job doing a million different things. And those are safe ways to make money. Now, I should tell you that the buzzword right now is side hustle. What is your side hustle? I hear that term all the time. A side hustle is simply your own uh, business that you have on the side. The problem is there are so many people that don't understand the difference between a business and a hobby. And that is simply your balance sheet. If you spend more money than you make, well, then it's a hobby. If you make more money than you spend, then it's a business. And it's that simple. Now, far too many people, they start a side hustle and they start doing stuff that they enjoy, which is fine. You can make extra money doing stuff you enjoy. But what they do is they usually throw in a whole bunch of money into startup and they're never going to see that money ever, ever, ever again. And what they did was they just invested in their hobby. So whatever you're going to do as far as a side hustle, make sure that it's something that is <clears throat> easy to make money at. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, okay? but you want it to have a low overhead or no overhead. You want it to be something that you have a lot of experience with, that you're comfortable getting into. Far too many people just don't know what they're doing and they just pour lots of money into a startup that falls right on its face and you turn around and three months later you say, man, all I did was waste $2,000 on this pipe dream instead of, you know, concentrating on something that could have easily made me a little more money. Okay, let's talk about rentals. Oh boy, you know, there are so many people that when when I make a new friend and they find out that my wife and I have rentals, they say, oh man, me and the missus, you know, we thought about doing that. <clears throat> we were thinking about getting into, into rentals or doing something like that. You know, that seems like a great way to make money. And I'll tell everyone, I'll tell everyone the same thing. Rentals are almost not worth it. Now I like real estate. I like rentals. They've been good to us. Um, I cannot complain about any of that, but I'll tell you what, uh, there is a learning curve and it is steep and it is painful. And a lot of folks don't possess the skills they need to get into rentals. Um, okay, so number one, your rental has to come cheap, 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 cheap. Far too many people uh, don't understand the margins. So for me, and if you talk real estate with most people, they're going to talk to you about an 8% margin, a 10% margin, and that's where they want to live. And if they can get that, they're happy. And if they can get better, well, that's great. Okay. The way, here's what I'll tell you. If you, let's say, how about this? Okay. I'll give you a real life scenario. So <clears throat> my wife and I, our first rental, we got it because we built our, you know, I don't know if you want to call it our dream house. And we had this little tiny two bedroom house downtown left over that we moved out of. 
and we didn't want to get rid of it because the location was so great and the, and the property values were going up and we knew people would want to live there because it was close to it was close to the hospital and it was close to a bunch of the schools and it was close to all this stuff and you know there were lots of people that wanted to live in this part of town so we held on to it okay so the first thing you're going to find out is that obviously for most of us your rental is going to have a mortgage payment and mortgage and let's say taxes and insurance are um, the bank escrows them so they're all wrapped up into the payment and that payment is a thousand dollars a month all right so what can you rent that place for so oh well, i can rent that place for 1150 okay you're going to be losing money uh there is no way that you know an extra six hundred dollars a year is going to account for uh, fixing stuff that breaks for the downtime when someone moves out and you have to wait for the next person to move in the repairs that need to be done uh, when you have a bad renter and uh, you say oh well that's what the deposits for well yeah and I hope it covers it all uh, depending on who you get to rent your places it might not uh, everyone goes through that at least a couple of times where you got to spend a bunch of money in order to you know make <laughs> fix the places up so they're livable again so what I tell everyone is uh, your cost plus $250 a month is what I call breaking even in real estate so if I'm gonna have a place that cost me a thousand dollars a month to pay the bank then I need to get 1250 out of it and I should not count on ever touching that extra $250 that should just go into a savings account and that's going to be used for improvements that's going to be used for when there's downtime because the person moved out and I couldn't get someone in there for a month okay that money is going to be spent so just understand that with rentals <clears throat> the amount of money you think it's going to take to keep up the place is probably way less than it will actually cost. So a lot of people get into uh, real estate not realizing how much it costs to keep their rentals up. Here's another one. What's your level of construction experience? Because the people that don't know how to fix anything at their own house are going to make terrible landlords. Most landlords fix almost everything on their own and they do it because hiring someone every time something breaks costs a fortune let me tell you i know i'm a plumber you don't want to have to hire me you know every time a drain gets clogged or they can't flush the toilet or there's a drip under wherever you need to know how to fix things and you need to be able to have the time to do it so you're either going to hire someone which costs an arm and a leg or you're going to give up quite a few hours on your weekends and after work in the evenings to go by to wherever these places are to fix them up and do what you, you know uh, do what you want so just understand that to be in the rental market it's it's not as easy as people think um, it's not it's not cheap so just understand what you're getting into and if you are the kind of person that can fix everything 
and do it well and have it look good and look like a professional, you're going to save yourself a bunch of money in the rental markets. Okay, let's go on to business. So I tell everybody this. I never, not one time in high school, dreamed about fixing toilets when I got older. That never entered my mind. For me, I got into plumbing because I enjoyed it and I found out how many people hate it. And because of that, I knew there was money to be made in that trade. So I said, you know what? There's not many plumbers out there and I see how much they charge and uh, nobody wants to do it on their own. So that sounds like a really good way for me to make a bunch of money. My wife gets to stay at home with the kids. She homeschools the kids. Uh, we've been a single income family for going on 15 years now. If I could pick any job, I would probably pick a job that had more uh, driving fast cars and shooting machine guns, but I haven't found that job yet. So I'm stuck with being a plumber. Um, you know, I'm not going to cure cancer. I'm not going to, you know, save the world. Um, my profession is simply one that, uh, pays the bills, you know, and, uh, it's hard work, but that's fine, you know, because oftentimes uh, the work is always there. I am blessed to live in an area where the number one demographic that moves to this area every year are people who are looking to retire and they have money and they're not willing to get under the kitchen sink and fix the leak, you know, and replace the garbage disposal and, you know, and fix their own toilet. So they're willing to hire someone and I'm willing to take their money in exchange for the work. So that's the way that it worked out for me. It wasn't my passion. It wasn't, you know, something I loved. I wasn't following my dreams. I got into a line of work that uh, paid the bills and it paid the bills well. And, you know, I'm glad that I got into the line of work that I did. Now, some of us are not going to own a business. Okay, that's fine. Some of us are just going to have a job where we go in and punch a clock and work for someone else. That's fine. What you need to ask yourself is this, what education, what skills will improve that job that I have? What education or what skills will improve the business that I own? Because what we're always looking to do is figure out a way to get to the top of the list for the next promotion. We want to better ourselves and we want to move up the chain. And that's the way that we're going to do it. So it's a good idea for us to, uh, to educate ourselves, to get the books and read them, to figure out what skills we need, to go and find the, where they put on the classes and buy the books and study and take the classes and, and get the license and get the certification and do what, what is it going to take to make yourself look more attractive for another 
uh, place of employment where they're going to pay you better. You, you know, you're going to you're going to have a, a better benefits and better hours and better pay. And, okay, we need to we need to look at that. If we are just going in and punching the clock and getting the you know our check on Friday and spending most of it before Monday, then we are losers. We are not you know preparing for financial freedom. And we need to break that cycle and we need to take a look at our industry. Maybe we need to talk to our boss and say, boss, what is it going to take for me to get your job? I want your job. Okay, what do I have to do? What skills do I need? What people skills do I need? What abilities and what education do I need? And then we need to sit down and form a plan and we need to go after it. That's how we're going to move up the ladder. That's how we're going to make more money. That's how we're going to be uh, financially free is by forming a plan and then running after it. Okay, so we've been on here almost an hour and we have not had a single question posed. So that's okay. I am just glad that both of you are with me for the hour watching this video. All right. So last thing I want to go over as we hit the hour mark, I just want to, I want to give you two ideas. Okay. One is a quote and then one is a Bible idea. So Caleb and I talked about this before. We actually did an entire hour on the topic of tithing. And I'm going to tell you this, and you don't have to believe it. You can argue with me. You can disagree. I I really don't care. Um, But I'll tell you what, ever since I learned about tithing, I have tithed faithfully. Every dollar that I earn, borrow, find on the ground, okay, everything that's gifted to me, every benefit I receive, any way that I can find that I am increased, I tithe on that money. and. I am confident that God has held up his end of the agreement. He said to test him on this, and I have done it, and God has provided me more than I could ever imagine. So if you are not tithing, I would suggest ignoring everything that I've told you, because no good advice can overcome the curse on your life put there by you robbing God. And if that upsets you, I don't care, but I would seriously consider what you're doing. I think the greatest thing you can do is you can show God how much you believe that he is in charge. He is in control and that you are putting your faith and your trust in him. And you are are not looking to be covetous of others and their things. Because you give God 10 cents of every dollar. Now, the last thing I want to give you before we end is a quote, and that is this. Rich people have one distinct advantage over poor people. The rich already know that money won't make them happy. Okay, everybody, I appreciate your time. We've been there an hour, and I am going to sign off and say, come back next week. It'll be the first podcast of the new year, 2021. We'll see how it shapes up. 
We appreciate all of you uh, coming in and joining us. Please listen to the podcast on Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Download, listen to, and share, share, share those podcasts. Help this message get around for us. We appreciate you all. Have a good evening.